This week on Voice Over Voices, we're going to hear about radio ads, script writing, goldfish, advice for aspiring voice actors, how to read ahead, stand-up comedy, and I'll have the tables turned on me in the script games. Hoo-hoo, <laughs> scary. And welcome to Voiceover Voices, the weekly podcast where we delve into the wordy world of voiceovers. Each week you'll meet a professional voiceover artist, find out who they are and how they got into this work, and listen while we run through some slightly ridiculous script games which are based on the kind of jobs we tackle on any given day in the studio. I'm Cathy Ogden and I'm a voiceover artist, singer, songwriter and now podcaster. A voiceover artist needs to be able to sight-read scripts, take direction, interpret the client's brief, create characters, moderate their vocal tone, flip from character to character, and somehow manage to do all this within a tight time limit. It's an intensely focused kind of job, and people come into it from all sorts of different backgrounds. And what's more, we're largely invisible to all but our agents, clients, and each other. Well, I'm changing all that, so on with the show. My guest this week on VoiceOver Voices is Mark Dwyer. Mark is a voice actor and radio copywriter who is as comfortable voicing commercials as he is writing or directing them. His acting career began in childhood with roles in film and TV, including Lantana, All Saints, Home and Away and various TV commercials. Mark is a graduate of the Australian Film, Television and Radio School, or AFTERS, where he completed the commercial radio course, graduating with a diploma in 2008. Mark started working as a creative writer and audio producer across both Southern Cross Austereo, or SCA, and Nova, and as a voiceover artist across TV, radio and online nationally. Right now, he is a campaign creative for the studio at SCA, and he's also constantly in demand as a voice actor, voicing ads for brands like Pepsi and NRL, and he's a regular in loop groups for film and TV. He does corporate reads, documentaries, movie promos, animation, and whatever else you can throw at him. For the last two years, Mark has also been teaching and guest lecturing at various voiceover courses at Afters, King Sound Studio in Sydney, and McCleary College. On top of all that, Mark is the official ground announcer for the Central Coast Mariners and is a huge fan of the game. I can't wait to find out more about the world of Mark, so let's dive in. Welcome to VoiceOver Voices, Mark Dwyer. Kathy Ogden, thank you very much. <laughs> I don't remember doing half that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've known each other for a couple of years, but I actually had no idea about your child acting stuff. That is... Extraordinary. And I'm going to ask you about it in a minute, but I just wanted to also say, um, you are my very first male voiceover guest on this show, which is great. You're oh, also... no pressure. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're also the first script writer, which makes me feel a little bit intimidated because I'm just writing comedy scripts. And well, we can I... both be intimidated yeah. because I've listened to the first uh, couple of episodes with um, both Kate and Teresa Lim and they're such good talents, so now I know what uh, level I've got to hit too to make up for that. Oh, man. The whole thing is such a pleasure because you guys are all so on your game. And, and uh, anyway, I've also never met anybody who actually does ground announcing. Yeah, um, I, that, I sort of just fell into the, the ground announcing at the Central Coast Mariners just through back in the day working at, in radio. Like they needed somebody to MC at the actual game itself. 
uh-huh. and they came to the radio station, which was, you know, the media partner for the, for the football club. And they said, does anyone here know anything about soccer that is comfortable talking in front of a camera? And there was just one option, which was me. So I kind of, I kind of just fell into it. And then ever since then, you know, they've, they've got me to do announcing at the game, uh, at the games and stuff, which is, yeah, it's great. So were you already a fan of the Central Coast Mariners? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my Perfect. whole family's a big soccer family and uh, growing up on the Central Coast and, and when they got that team, we were sort of in from day one. So yeah, it made a lot of sense for me to, to kind of get involved with them in that way. Oh God, how, what are the chances though? How lucky that they, yeah. they have to, <laughs> happen to ask you who's a fan who actually knows soccer, grew up on the Central Coast and presumably you already knew all the, the players' names and things like that. Yeah, definitely. And that's half the battle too, you know, with the world game as it is football, you're getting a lot of unique and multicultural names. So half the uh, resume is is being able to pronounce those names live at a game. Yeah. And whilst actually paying attention to absolutely everything that's going on, what an extraordinary thing to do. So basically when you go to a live sporting event in the stadium, you know how you hear somebody over the PA, they'll do all the announcements before the game, uh, during the game, like the substitutions and the goals and, and things like that. And then after the match as well, you've got a lot of announcements. So, you know, for, for somebody that does what we do, like voiceover, um, you're kind of getting to do a whole lot of different styles because there might be long form official announcements about security and then uh-huh. there might be commercials in there for sponsors. Oh, wow. And then, of course, during the game, if somebody scores a goal, you need to then take it to the hardest of hard cells and <laughs> scream at the top of your lungs and get everybody excited that the team scored a goal. So it's, um, yeah, you get to use a, a, a full gamut of the uh, the voice skills when you're doing a live announcing job at a, at a football stadium. Yeah, amazing. It must be very exciting. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, and being a fan, it, it only helps. But then the problem is when the team loses, oh. you, can hear, you can hear that in my voice too. Funny. Okay. I want to ask you about Lantana because sure. I that is one of my favorite Aussie films. It's such an iconic film. Tell me about how you got that role and what it was like being in that film. Sure. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, it's funny you say that. A lot of people say that and I, I think I forget the cultural impact it had as an Australian film because obviously I was really young when I did it. I think I auditioned at 12 and then filmed at 13. And you don't, you know, you don't realise what things are when you're that old. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just like, oh, I'm going to make a movie. Uh, Mum and Dad are going to drive me to set and away we go. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I don't talk about that sort of stuff a lot really, like my acting when I was younger um, because I don't really see any reason that I need to unless we're in a situation like this. Mm. Um but yeah, it was, it was awesome. I mean, I was with Brent Street, which is a, a kid's agency here in Sydney as a child from, I think about 10 or 11 years old. So I used to audition and, and do lots of kids stuff when I was younger. Yeah. I got the call up to audition for this film, Lantana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I did well. I, I, I got a call back and then I got a second call back, which was reading with a couple of people who had already been cast. So you kind of knew at that point, geez, you're close. They just want to see what your chemistry is like on camera. And if you, if you work well together, and I remember I came home from school. I must have been in year seven, maybe, yeah. 13 years old, something like that. And, and mum and dad were like, we've got, some, we've got some big news. We've got some surprise. you got the role in, in the movie. And I was like, wow, does that mean I get some time off school? <laughs> and I did. <laughs> um, and it was, you know, it was an amazing experience to, to shoot a proper, um, a proper feature like that at that kind of age and work with some amazing people. Anthony LaPaglia played my yeah. father in the film and Kerry Armstrong played my mother, two um, exceptionally talented people. And, um, you know, 
someone like Anthony, who was a bona fide sort of Hollywood star at that point, um, to, to bring a link back to, to football. He's a huge football fan and used to be quite a talented goalkeeper when he was younger. Uh, um, so we wow. instantly connected on that and we spent our time um, in, between, uh, in between takes, standing, standing offset, playing hacky sack <laughs> and talking about the Premier League. So that was, that was good fun. And had you already been in All Saints and uh, Home and Away before then? Or was no, I had done more sort of small scale like TVC, like little things that you'd need kids in TVCs for and stuff. Atlantana was the first like proper thing that I booked in terms of like big speaking role and, you know, having to learn various lines and stuff. And then I think uh, the next year or two after that, I did a couple of episodes of All Saints and then just other little, little bits and bobs um, throughout time after that. But I was living on the Central Coast as a kid. And when you hit those mid to late teenage years, your um your priorities shift. And in terms of having to drive down to Sydney every couple of days to audition for things with mum, I, I decided I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to go surfing all the time. So ah, fair enough. I pulled the pin. <laughs> I can appreciate that. Okay, well I'm about to cast you as a goldfish. So uh, you know. Oh, beautiful. Um, yeah. <laughs> Have you? It's about ever- how good my memory is, so it works. <laughs> Have you ever played a goldfish, Mark? I've never played a goldfish. Well, you're about to. Your goldfish is called Ben and I'm Rose. So this is two in a booth. This is where I like to start. Two in a booth. Two in a booth. Ah. Have you got the script? I've got it here, yeah. Marvellous. So what I'd like you to do is um, you're Ben, I'm Rose, and at the end you do this actual bit of the ad that is selling. So if you sure, can do yeah, that in yeah. your best radio selling voice, that would be cool. You want like real over the top radio selly voice or the more like casual, uh, relatable one that's in Ooh. vogue at the moment? Oh, yeah. Do the in vogue one. Okay. Yeah. We'll pull it back a little bit. We'll pull it back a bit. Now I'm going to give us characters. Oh, is this where you spin the wheel? The wheel of doom. Yes. <laughs> so let's see what you're going to be. You are going to be a child. Oh, God. Yeah, all right. I can do that. <laughs> and I am going to be, oh, no, hard sell. Hard yes. sell for a. Hard sell female me, goldfish. That was me thumping my phone down in disgust. How do I You're be a goldfish a that sell? thinks it's a shark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, okay, I'm just going to have to give it a whirl. I think the more juxtaposed they are, the funnier it's going to be. Okay. So let's just do it. So I'm a child, right? Yeah, a child. Yeah. Okay. All right, so in three, two, one. Hello, Rose. Hi, Ben. I saw you hiding behind the plant. Not hiding, Ben, just having a little me time. Oh, sorry, Rose, I I can come back later. No, it's fine, really. I I can just stay on the other side of the bowl for a bit if that helps. Honestly, Ben, it's fine. It's nice to see you. Always great to see you, Rosie. Oh, thanks, Ben. Are you going to the castle? As a matter of fact, I am. Want some company? Oh, I would love that. I'll race you to Beat the- you! No. Does your goldfish need a bigger bowl? Are they longing for a longer tank? Come to Pet Palace for all your pet needs. We have a full array of new and exciting treats and toys for all your fishy, feathered and furry friends. Bored budgie, crazy cat, depressed dog, forlorn fish. We'll find exactly what you need to perk up your pampered pets and make their life playful and perfect. Come to Pet Palace. It's paradise for pets. Tis and Supply. <laughs> oh, I love how you did the end. Tis and Supply. Yeah, I was like, let's, I'll, I'll save the editor any uh, any stress of having to speed that up. 
<laughs> that was just brilliant. Thank you. It was so you. much fun. No, it thank you. It was so much fun. You um, know what I loved about that? Yeah. Is um, I found it rare, m- more rare uh, in recent years, uh, many, many reasons for it, but probably because of tightening purse strings in, in media budgets. So much more rare now to get together and do a two-voicer in a booth with another voiceover artist. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, I voice yeah. so much stuff on my own. so it's not, And it's so much fun being in there with someone else because, you know, you, you bounce off each other's energy. It gives you sort of a counterpoint to work with. Yeah. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's just not as common as, as it used to be. No, and it's so weird when you, like, the thing I'm enjoying about doing these these scripts and randomly generating the characters or the accents is that when I wrote this, Ben is really sweet and bouncy mm. and Rose was just really depressed. <laughs> mm. But having to do it hard sell, it completely changes the whole vibe and tone of it. So it's really fun to be able to just kind of do something you would never do with a script. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, the odds of you being in that position and and, and, and voicing something like this, you know, in a real job is pretty low, but it's yeah. still, you're still um, executing the, your craft. And I guess it's fun because you're getting to push yourself to do something that you don't think you would normally do as well. No, exactly. So why did you choose radio? I never really knew what I wanted to do when I was growing up. I was just sort of like, it'll, it'll come to me and I'll just see what happens. I was never stressed about it. I think uh, when I finished high school, I was sort of working part-time at Woolworths or Coles doing something like that. And um, my dad had heard on the radio that they were looking for um, promotions team, you know, the people that would go out and hand out icy cold cans of Coke down at the beach and (laughs) stuff like that. They did like a big cattle call style audition, you know, to try and hire 12 new casuals for the summer. And I went through that and I got a job and I think I was 18, 19, and I was just running around doing that job, having fun. And somebody at the station said to me, oh, mate, if you like this sort of stuff and you like being on air and you like talking and, and, and you're interested, you should, you should try and get into afters. They do a really good full-time course every year. They accept about 12 students and you're pretty much guaranteed a full-time job when you graduate. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, that sounds fun. I haven't, hadn't done any sort of tertiary study at that point, and I thought, let's give it a crack and... I got accepted in and it was probably the most fun year of my life, to be honest. The, really? The, the, yeah, the 12 months, because it's very intensive. Yeah. It's a full-time, five days a week, nine to five course, and with, you know, 10 or 12 like-minded students that love radio, and you learn everything. You learn announcing, you learn script writing, audio engineering, you even, unfortunately, learn the sales sides of things, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the technical things, how to run desks and stuff, and it's just so immersive, and you're just at that age where you you can bring so much energy to it every day that you absorb everything. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I left there and got a full-time job and the rest has been history, I suppose. And so when you, so you came straight out of that and then went to work at SCA? Yeah, I was lucky. Um, sometimes when you graduate that course, you've got to go do a year or two at, you know, somewhere far away from your family. Like, you know, you might have to go up to Bunbury or Bundaberg or Musselbrook or to learn your craft. And, but I was lucky enough that, um, the radio station on the central coast, they offered me a sort of split role for, mm-hmm. for, for not much money, but that's all right. First job out of, out of uni, you got yep. you got to, um, you got to build it up. And it was a split role of, um, creative writing. So I would write the ads in the morning and then in the afternoon it was audio engineering. So, um, wow. in the, in the afternoon I would then go into the studio and learn how to, um, you know, record, edit, mix, and and actually physically make the the ads as well. So it was great. I was getting a um, like a double education in the craft of of ad making. So when you're given the brief to make a radio commercial for a client, what information are you given so that great. you can actually write a script? Great question. Um, it's a, it's a horses for courses situation. Uh, obviously, we get briefed. Um, like we do get a physical brief via email, but. 
sometimes it, it could be a couple of lines of information. You know, X client wants to talk to millennials about X product, make it sound cool. <laughs> okay. Got or it. it could it could be something um, exceptionally detailed over a few pages of, you know, information. I think the sweet spot is probably somewhere in between those two things. But yeah, it, it changes every time. Uh, every That's what I like about um, working in radio specifically is because I'm the type of person that needs to be doing things all the time. So I like working on multiple briefs uh, and different jobs every day. I don't want to get bogged down in, in one sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so once, once you've written your first draft, presumably, of a script, then what happens? So sometimes I'll work on something on my own. If, it, if it's a smaller project and it's, and it's pretty easy, sort of direct one-to-one. Or other times we'll get together as like a group um, with people from different departments and we'll kind of ideate, brainstorm, whatever you want to call it, and come up with what we think is the best campaign. Mm-hmm. Then basically we'll send off our drafts or, or our recommendations to the account manager mm-hmm. and they liaise directly with the client. So they'll send it on and say, hey, this is what the creative team recommends. Um, here's our rationale for why we think this will work for your brand. Uh, and then they obviously try to get that approved because we want we always think our ideas are the best. Obviously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you know, quite often the clients uh, want to come back with changes or edits, or they want to they want to mix things up a bit, which is totally fine. They know their brand uh, and they're paying obviously for the advertising, so mm-hmm. they're well within their rights to do that. Yeah, whether it's always the best idea or not, I'll leave that up to the listeners. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so we do a little back and forth dance sometimes of of edits and rewrites, but um, generally we get to a nice place where. We've got something that everybody is happy with and then we move into the um, the recording side of things. That's so interesting. See, I didn't know any of that. I knew it must be a process that would involve the client and the producers yeah. and the writers and everything. And then you've got to choose who voices it. And sometimes yeah, totally. that, can, that can be wrong as well. I would imagine you'd get somebody in and then they're not the right voice for it and then you have to do, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah sometimes. And I mean, that that process I just described to you, that could take anywhere from four hours to four weeks, you know, from ideation to writing to final approval, just depending on what the idea is, um, how long it takes for us to crack it, what the on-air date is, how many changes the client may or may not want to make. And then, yeah, you've got to go through casting as well and, and find the voice that best, um, best suits that tone. Got um, it. Oh, that was great. I'd like to get you to do another script, actually. Let's do it. So I've written a very Australian TV over the promo, top TV promo over the top. In fact, I'm not even going to spin the wheel of doom. I just want you to do it as that, and we might then try it in a different character. So peak, first, peak channel nine, peak channel nine, <laughs> and and wait, okay, in three, two, one. Tonight on Celebrity Farmer Wants a Wardrobe, will Davo get the dryer bone he's been dreaming of? Can Charlie change his checkered shirts for cherry chaps? Is flannel edible or will Harry the Hog have to eat his hat just to stay in the game? For more tears, tantrums and even a tragic tiara tussle, tune in tonight at 10.30. Celebrity Farmer Wants a Wardrobe, here on Mate 88 Mate. That is so funny. Is that did I say the TV station right? Yeah, yeah. Or is it Mate eighty eight? It's up to you. Well, this this is a classic. This is like up to you. You just made that script actually sound (laughs) hilarious. Would you watch that show? I would. (laughs) I'd watch one episode of it anyway. I need to see what the tragic tiara tussle is. (laughs) 
I just love alliteration and I was coming up, I was like, tragic tiara. Wait, what could that be? Tragic tiara. <laughs> well, look, honestly, it, that's a funny script. You've written, a, you've written a banger there. Oh, mate, no, it's only funny because you read it like that. You gave it no, your no, all. No, no. You the the alliteration, all. the alliteration is what makes it. I thought, that, I, th- I thought it was very funny. All right, I want you to do that one again because that was so good. Um, and I want you to do it now. Uh, spin. Oh, this will be interesting. Nervous. Nervous. Oh, yeah, all right. This will be funny because it's the a- absolute peak opposite of what ah, I just did because that yeah. was the most confident person ever. That is the most, and this is the least confident. Oh, I've got to hear a TV promo done by somebody who's really nervous about doing this it. This is great too because this is going to show you why they read TV promos the way they do ah, and they don't yes. do them in a nervous style. Good point. All right, Good you want point. me to do it nervously? Yes, please. Okay. Okay. In three, two, one. Tonight on Celebrity Farmer Wants a Wardrobe, will Davo get the dryzer bone he's been dreaming of? Can Charlie change his checkered shirt for uh, cherry chaps? Is flannel edible? Or will Harry the Hog have to eat his hat just to stay in the game? For more tears, tantrums and even a tragic tiara tussle, tune in tonight at 10.30. Select... Celebrity Farmer Wants a Wardrobe, here on Mate 88, mate. <laughs> oh my it's God. so stupid. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> Therein lies the thing. Like you said, it's exactly why it's so over the top. And I know. Oh. If you put those two side by side, it's the exact oh, wow. same show. But one of them's gonna one of them's going to get people interested in watching it and the other one's going to get people to be like, <laughs> I might change the channel. Okay. Um, I also want you to do another one. I'm just enjoying this. I should probably be asking you questions, but it's just so much fun hearing you do this. It's all right. We could, we've got yeah. plenty of time for both. All right then. Cool. So I was looking up old radio ads just mm-hmm. to see how much they have changed. And back in the sort of 30s, 40s, whatever, they used to have a sponsor. And instead of it being like a 10-second spot, it was like their sponsor would go on for ever until these epic stories about the product. Do you know what I'm talking oh, yeah. about? Have like you during heard? old radio plays or exactly, something? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So these are American radio ads. And I just thought it would be really cool for you being a modern script writer to yeah. have a crack at an old school American ad. I'm not even going to do the wheel because I want you to be USA. <laughs> okay, okay. So do you if want you it can. that old timey, old timey USA yes, thing? Or? Please. Right. I'd love I don't know to if do I it. can nail that one out the park, but just, but I can definitely give it I'm gonna jump in and give it a crack. Give it a whirl. So this is an ad for Quakers puffed wheat and Quakers puffed rice, which is a horrible tongue twister, so I apologize in advance. But it's taken Is this real? Yeah. Yeah. It's from a Dick Tracy wow. radio uh, play. Okay. Yeah, so off you go, Mark. Enjoy. All right, here we go. Old school radio ad. Old old time. It looks long. I don't know how long this is going to take, but here we go. You ready? Yeah. Now, the makers of Quaker's Puffed Wheat and Quaker's Puffed Rice, those specially delicious quick energy cereals that are shot from guns, brings you another Dick Tracy adventure. Say, don't you wish you could go on some of those adventures the way Junior does? Wouldn't that be keen? You'd have to be on your toes, though, ready for anything. And you'd certainly need plenty of trigger-fast energy to keep up with Dick and Junior. 
Of course, you get plenty of trigger-fast energy in those grand-tasting Quaker-puffed wheat and Quaker-puffed rice breakfasts, and thousands of alert, active girls, boys, and grown-ups enjoy every day. Because those two delicious cereals are shot from guns. Pow, pow. <laughs> Hang on, I'm, there's a bit more left. When the sun-ripened grains of wheat and rice are shot from special Quaker guns, each grain is actually exploded to eight times its size. So make sure you get lots of Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice for breakfast. The oftener, the better. And make sure there's some in the pantry now. If there isn't, ask Mother to go get some Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice at your grocer's today. How cool Sorry, is I that? I, I'm, I, I just lost it at that line where they said it's actually shot from guns, <laughs> pow, pow. If this, if, the ad couldn't be any more American no. than, than them putting cereal into guns. It's exactly. About, it's so absurd on so many levels because clearly that cannot be true. One. And B, it's Quaker. Now, Quaker puffed rice and wheat are both made by the Quaker company, which are, they are Quakers. They would not be shooting anything from guns. Ever. Look, I wouldn't put it past them. I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> Guess so. But, oh, so isn't that bizarre how ads used to be? Isn't that a yeah. – I mean, what imagine if like? they were like that now. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that, that would be like 90 seconds at least, right? Oh, I wasn't timing you. Oops, so. Yeah. I mean, I'm just guessing, but it would for sure. I mean, the longest we ever do now is 60 seconds, and even so, we rarely ever do 60-second ads. So what's the most common time length for radio 30 ads? 30 seconds for sure. And, yeah, th- and then 15s as well and – yeah, yeah, I'd say yeah. 30s and 15s would would make up the bulk of everything we do. I mean, from a writing perspective and from a voiceover perspective. Um, then you've got 45s and 60s, but they're both they're both quite rare. I mean, yeah. they'd probably only make up 10% of everything between them. Yeah, and also because um, DJs read ads as well, don't they? Within their programs, sometimes. Yeah, live reads. Yeah. yeah, and so do you ever write those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I write heaps of them. Writing everything. Yeah. 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 I mean, a lot of our campaigns, they'll ask for kind of one of each. They'll say, we need a recorded commercial and we'd like a live read version as well. Okay. So I know you love doing scripts and voiceovering. In the voiceover world, what's your favourite kind of thing to do? Like, what do you love going into the studio for? Uh, do you want the, the businessman answer or the, or the artist answer? I want both. <laughs> okay. Businessman <laughs> answer, whatever pays the most. Okay. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I love doing that. And mm. uh, in, from an artist's point of view, you know what? Like I said before, it, we don't get the chance to do it a lot. So I love the chance to get in there and work with some other voiceover artists if yeah. we can. Yeah. Um, regardless of the content, just it's just uh, it's just a great opportunity to um, one meet some new voiceover artists that I may have never met, or or two catch up with VOs that I know, like yourself. Yeah. And 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 just work together and have fun. Um, so like two or three handers, uh, whatever the content is, I really love to do that. And, you know, just anything that pushes me to do something a little bit different that I'm not used to doing. So something that might be specifically emotive or something Uh that requires, requires a certain level of humor or, or improvisation and ad-libbing. Yeah. Obviously you'd, you'd know as well as anyone, a lot of the stuff we do, we get cast for because it's in our wheelhouse of tone, style, and ability. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll get in and read you a 30-second script all day for a, a surf shop or a nightclub or a, a fast food joint or something. Yeah. But that's not really challenging me or, or or really getting me to push myself to a level, you know, that I would aspire to. So if, if I get something that's particularly emotional at one end of the spectrum or ex- exceptionally funny at the other, that's yeah. I really love doing that because then I'm – 
I'm actually, I feel, I come out of the booth feeling like, wow, I've really, I've really done something there. I've been challenged and I, I rose to that particular challenge and I go, yeah, I can, I can voice stuff like that. <laughs> well, you challenged me. Uh, well, I asked you to challenge me by sending me a script. Yes. Because the tables had now turned. We've flipped the tables. So because it's your script, yeah, you get to decide whether I go for the random wheel of doom. That's not a wheel of doom, but the character and the accent wheel, or yep. you can just decide how you would like me to do it. I, you know what? Let's spin the accent wheel. Uh-oh. Let's spin the accent wheel and then okay. just see you do it. Okay, here we go. And no pressure, but I love – this is a script I wrote just to give everyone a bit of context. I wrote this script about three years ago and I've been trying to sell it to somebody ah. for a long time, but no one's bought it yet. It can be used for any brand of coffee or anybody that sells coffee. Right. Um, and I really love it, but we can't get anyone to take it. So I'm excited to hear you read it. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> What's it say? French. Oh, yes, this will work. This will work. Oh, I'm excited. God. I am a French person. I have to think about it. Okay. Gavir <clears throat> Den. I have to have a sip of water. <laughs> okay. Awake, thinking only of you. Your smell brings life to my senses, lifts them free from the morning fog, and alive with anticipation. I wait for your warm kiss, rich and robust, as you meet my lips, my synapses fire like a New Year's skyline. I know your taste, but I never tire. Sweet coffee, my flame, my true desire. Coffee brand, we are passionate about coffee. <laughs> Great job. It actually worked. I think it having works. a French voice, like a, a bit of a seductive French voice, works with the poem even better. We, oui, I think it does. I love it. I love it because you, you, it's so sexy and it's so, so cool. And then you go, oh, he's telling you she's talking about, it's about coffee. It's about coffee. You I lead him down it. the garden path. Yeah. Ta- I love take the a twist. Little, take a right turn. Do you want me to do? Okay, give me direction. Thank you. How would you like me to well, do that so that it is I thought that better? was great, and and you know what? That I really enjoyed it. But I think just just your standard uh, Kathy read would would be able to do it really well. So maybe oh. why don't you read it as as Kathy Ogden? But let's go faster. Let's go. No, no, well, yeah, it doesn't have to be too much fun. Let's go okay. storytell, like a bit of storyteller ah. and a little bit mis- little bit mysterious. Because obviously now we've heard the script, we know that. Uh, there's a twist at the end. So we kind of, yeah, we want to take those first 25 seconds as an opportunity to lead the listener, as I said, down the garden path to make you think that it's about a lover. Yeah. And then, of course, it all ties up at the end and we realise it's about coffee. So, yeah, storyteller, mysterious. Oh, God. Okay, no pressure. God, shoe being on the other foot here is just, yeah, I'm out of my comfort zone, Mark. But anyway, here we go. I wake. Thinking only of you, your smell brings life to my senses, lifts them free from morning fog and alive with anticipation. I wait for your warm kiss, rich and robust as you meet my lips. My synapses fire like a New Year's skyline. I know your taste, but I never tire. Sweet coffee. 
my flame, my true desire. We're passionate about coffee. Nice job. Oh, I don't know. No, it's good. It's good. It's good. We put the right we put the right music bed under that. A little bit of EQ on the voice. It's going to sound amazing. <laughs> well, I do want a coffee okay. now, though, so yeah. I guess it works. <laughs> That's when advertising works. Yes. Okay, I would like you to do something which is just completely absurd now. Sure. Okay. That's my favourite. Because every show now we have a nonsense poetry jam, which yes. is a bunch of words I put together the night before. <laughs> So we are going to do the wheels and find out what your character. Have you got that? The nonsense poetry jam in front. Uh, nonsense. Yeah, yeah, I okay. got it here. Yeah. So here we go. Animation. Animation. Animation is it's a get out of jail free card basically. You Pretty can much. choose whatever it you want. It can be want, anything, basically. right? So and then character. Ah, oh, okay. Hard sell. Hard sell animation. Yeah, so okay. come up with something that you think is... <laughs> I think I think this is just going to sound like a slam poetry thing. Yes, perfect. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. All right. Yeah. Shall, shall I jump into it? Jump in. Hard cell animation. Here we go. Yeah. Flippant, temple, spoon chive, ordinary six-born wilt or mannequin, here meant Goanna, insoluble furnace, if Valerie sport, Media harpoon equestrian basil hum, sloughs upturned or various bud, boxed yammering and elf worsted maelstrom garnet, nicest, lupus cornish on a bangle thwack, centenary gourmet unconscionable debris, flambe, gestured zone, agreements, the binge mortar. Did I pronounce all those words wrong? Life, com- life comes at you fast when you read the nonsense poetry jam. <laughs> I have no. I can't even believe you did that. So that was brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. It actually sounded like you meant every word. <laughs> oh yeah, I just, I just, I was like, just you're up on stage in front of a bunch of people wearing berets, oh. and they're all gonna, they're all gonna click their fingers at the end. Give this everything, and they're gonna be like, yeah, sloughs upturned or various, oh. but. Box jammering. Mm. I get that. It, it, it gets me right It's a here. metaphor for commercialism. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Brilliant. You Thank you, are Kathy. Brilliant. Okay, well, um, I want you to give the best advice you could possibly give to anybody who wants to get into radio or script writing or... Sure. Go for it. So the best advice, and look, I think we can, rather than make it specific for radio or voiceover or anything, it can probably apply to all of that and then anything, you know, that you want to put your mind to is it's, it's twofold. One, you've got to be genuinely passionate about it, whatever it is. You've got to really love it. And then two, and this part's easy, if you are genuinely passionate about it, you've got to be willing to put in the hard yards. Like you've got to be willing to put in years and years of work before you might see any, any tangible results. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's getting a, into a radio career, whether that's, going to the gym and, and, and wanting to lose a lot of weight or put on a lot of muscle or whether that's wanting to become a working voiceover artist. Um, like I said, you've got to be genuinely passionate about the process yeah. uh, and you've got to be willing to put in the hard yards. I mean, I've been voicing for about 10 years and I think the first seven I did everything for free. You know, I was working in radio stations. I was working as a writer or a producer and I would get into the booth every day or every second day and just voice scripts for nothing. 
Uh, wow. And that's how I that's how I got thousands and thousands of hours of recording and and voiceover experience under my belt. And then I, when I moved to Sydney, I I tried to get an agent, and I, I signed with 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 our amazing agent uh, Scout. Yeah. And then I you know then I was reaping the rewards of of that hard work. You know, actually getting proper jobs and, and getting paid to do something that I genuinely love. But you know, if I hadn't have done that seven years of uh, slog, I yeah. wouldn't have been good enough to take that opportunity when it came to me. Uh, and, and I was thankfully, and, and yeah, that's, that's the part, right? You've got to love it and you've got to be prepared to work hard. And it's really fascinating because you've come in through the radio angle, having already done acting and everybody seems to just come into this from such a different background. Mm. So I don't think there's any, there's no formula for getting into this kind of work, no. but you're right. You have to be super passionate about it. You might think, oh, all, all people in the voiceover industry are probably actors that have said, I'll do voicing, or they're all radio people that have somehow fallen into it, but, yeah. but they're not. They're, they come from all different backgrounds and there's, there's many different backdoors into it. Uh, and look, you know, I'll be honest, for, for people that want to get into the industry, but they, they don't have acting experience or they don't work in a radio station or they've, they don't have access to a recording studio, mm-hmm. it can definitely be harder for them. Um, it's definitely harder. Like I was, I was lucky that I had that experience and I was in a recording studio every day. Um, I, I, that facilitated me to have the opportunity to, to learn faster and, and get my skills up. Uh, but that certainly doesn't mean that if you don't have that at your disposal, you can't because we know so many people in, in our industry and they all have a completely different story as to how they got in and got to where they are, which, you know, which is the beautiful thing about this podcast. That's, we're going to find out more and more of those stories as, as you go along this journey, Kathy. Yeah, well, that's kind of why I did it because I, my background was, I was a singer. I was a session singer and that's how I became a voiceover because I was already in the studio, used to being in a studio environment, used to being directed. And I also kind of knew everybody at that time in the, yeah. it, you know, it was a smaller world then. This is like 20 something years ago. So uh, there were less people doing mm. session singing and less people doing voiceover work. I remember the first sort of scripts that I ever did, I was so, so, so nervous and so terrible. And and I remember being chucked in with a couple of super professional voiceover guys doing some retail stuff. And I had to say two litre bottle of Coke. And yeah. it came out about 20 times as two little bottle of Coke. Oh, no. <laughs> too little? Two little bottle of Coke. This bottle of Coke is too little. <laughs> I'm still thirsty. <laughs> But um, once I got it, I'm also slightly dyslexic, which is such a, which is not a great thing for somebody who's got to read scripts. So, yeah. yeah, that's like, anyway. God, if I can become a voiceover, anybody can from starting from that position because that's what happens. Sometimes I see I see words the other way around. Uh, so that wow, well, more. I mean, yeah, that's amazing because as you'd know, we often don't get to see the scripts until we walk into the booth just mere moments before we start recording. So exactly. for you to um for you to get your head around that and, and, and sort of work that problem out to the to, to get to the point where you are. It's an amazing achievement. Oh, uh, I guess. Although I do I, I mean for anything where I can get a script in advance, I will. Yeah. Um but yeah, obviously in radio that never happens. <laughs> no, never. I actually like that, you know, not getting yeah. scripts beforehand. I, I find that as like a like a personal challenge. Yes, it is. Like I want to walk into the booth and be like, whatever it is, I'm going to do it no matter what. Yeah. What I really noticed when you were doing actually all the scripts today, but I really noticed it when you were doing the old school radio ad because it's such a long read, was that you were already choosing the right inflection before you even got to the next slide. Like you were already coming in 
on the correct tone for the beginning of something leading into a question or, you know what I mean? Like, so Yeah, I know what you mean. I always read, and that was something I was taught when I, when I was first starting out is reading ahead of where your, where your voice is. So I'm, I'm, my brain is almost about three or four words ahead of where my mouth is at that point. Does that Mm. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of, yeah, there's kind of like a little delay, which kind of helps you. Yeah. Read through and sight read. And then you can set yourself up to make sure those inflections are right at certain times. Isn't it incredible what you can teach your brain to do? Honestly. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it is a strange thing when you can look at a line. I don't even know. Well, how it happens in, in, in mere nanoseconds that you can't even really break it down, right? No. Ab- but, but you know it's happening. But and I forget that sometimes too when I, you know, if I teach a, a voiceover course or something and I kind of forget what becomes second nature to, to people like us after so long is actually, mm. it's not second nature. It's really something that you've got to practice and you've got to learn and, and even really understand before you can even start to approach that learning process. And I think reading aloud, you have to read aloud a lot. Just read aloud all the time and read all sorts right. of different things. But I yeah. think it's it's not until you're really under that pressure that you are in a studio to get something right immediately that your brain just goes, right, this is kind of basically like life or death. So therefore I'm going to get it right. You You snap into the zone, right? That's, that's the, that's the professional. And then also the performer in you kind of going, all right, well, it's showtime, baby, let's go. Exactly. I could never be a newsreader or that kind of thing where you're literally reading off an auto cue the whole time. Whereas, I'm you sure know, you could, people, Kat. Ah, no, I'd be terrible. Unless, it's, it's just, unless I got the entire news show in advance so I could have a quick <laughs> flick through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, guys, if you could just tell me tomorrow's news today, that'd be awesome. <laughs> See, therein lies the thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, whereas people who have had a lot of experience in that, like, you know, Teresa Lim, who started out in radio news and kind of thing, she could just read screeds of stuff get no words wrong well like you can and yeah it's just brilliant it's an extraordinary thing there you have it so monsieur i would like you to read something that you really like to read oh yes i thought long and hard about this it was tricky right yeah because i was like it's up to me and i can read whatever i want Mm -hmm. um I i settled on something that i that i really love and I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm a massive stand-up comedy fan. I love I love stand-up comedy. Yeah. Have you done uh, it, by the way? I've not done it. No, okay. I've not done it. It's something I do want to do in the future, though. But I've not. I've, I've started writing things, but I've not. I'm a bit of a coward when it comes to getting up on stage, which doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Because I perform and I write and I talk into a microphone almost every day of the week. Yeah. Which sounds like stand-up comedy. But the idea of me getting up there physically on that stage and saying to everybody, hey, I think this is funny and you should too. That kind of scares me. So um, on the stand-up comedy thing, I thought I would uh, read my favourite uh, bit from one of my favourite comedians of all time, a man named Bill Hicks, who mm-hmm. passed away. Uh, and this is a, it's a mantra that I love. Um, and comedians shouldn't do other comedians' jokes, but this is less of a joke and more of a philosophical rant. It's, it's, uh, it's called uh, It's Just a Ride by Bill Hicks, and I thought I'd read that for you. Okay. I love that. Thank you. Here we go. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. And the ride goes up and down and round and round, and it has thrills and chills, and it's very brightly coloured, and it's very loud. And it's fun for a while. Some people have been on the ride for a long time, and they begin to question, is this real, or is this just a ride? And other people have remembered, and they come back to us and they say, hey, don't worry, don't be afraid, ever because this is just a ride. And we kill those people. 
Shut him up. We have a lot invested in this ride. Shut him up. Look at my furrows of worry. Look at my big bank account and my family. This has to be real. It's just a ride. But we always kill those good guys who try and tell us that. You ever notice that? And we let the demons run amok. But it doesn't matter because it's just a ride and we can change it anytime we want. It's only a choice. No effort. No worry. No job. No savings and money. Just a choice right now between fear and love. The eyes of fear want you to put bigger locks on your door, buy guns, close yourself off. The eyes of love, instead, see all of us as one. Here's what we can do to change the world right now, into a better ride. Take all that money we spend on weapons and defence each year, and instead, spend it feeding, clothing and educating the poor of the world, which it would do many times over, not one human being excluded, and we can explore space together, both inner and outer, forever in peace. It's just a ride. Oh, wow. That is fantastic. Yeah, I love that guy, Bill Hicks. Fantastic, uh, fantastic stand-up comedian with uh, very poignant and sometimes super intense ideas on on life and what it means to live. But, uh, yeah, that's far and away my favourite bit of his. I loved it. And it is extraordinary how comedians very often have these incredible insights into humanity and... um, they are the ultimate two sides of the coin. They can. Mm. It's the modern. It's the, in my opinion, because I love philosophy as well. But they are the modern day philosophers. Yeah. Apart from the actual philosophers, but they are the modern day philosophers. That uh, you know, they put they put concepts and sometimes hard to swallow truths into uh, very funny, uh, absorbable pieces of content that uh, resonate with the masses. Yeah. And I, I really I really enjoy that. That's fascinating. That was brilliant. I, just as a weird aside, I actually did a stand-up comedy course once in London. Oh, did you? Mm. How was it? Was it was it long or was it a day or was it a week? But it was like five days intensive. It was sort of nine till six every day. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, you had to have written your own stand-up routine. And like a five-minute set or something? Yeah, it was, I think we were allowed seven minutes and then you performed them at up the creek, I think it was called, which is a comedy store in Greenwich. So yeah, yeah. so I've actually I did it, and it was absolutely terrifying. But How'd you go? Did you enjoy? It? Did you get some laughs? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I did the whole thing in Russian, not in Russian language. Oh, in a Russian, in Russian accent. Russian accent. Um, <laughs> yeah, but oh, it's a long story. Um, however, what I will say is, if you ever did want to do stand-up comedy, you would a be brilliant, and b just do a course because you come out of it knowing knowing how it works. Yeah, maybe I need that. Maybe I need that structure to get me on the right path, right? Because I'm a pretty erratic kind of person. So if I have I. someone, someone put me yeah, put me on the straight and narrow. Tell me the process. Put me in the in the Uber and send me there. One That's day, what I need. I yeah, just do it. I just remember the one of the things that actually helped me with singing and being on stage and performing that we learned. And I'll just tell you it just in case it doesn't come up in the comedy course that you're going to be doing sometime in the next sort of twelve months. Mm-hmm. Um, is when you come on stage, if there's a mic stand in the middle of the stage, don't stand behind it. Put the mic stand to the side so that there's no barrier between you and the audience. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It was one of the best pieces of advice because when I see even singers now, I'm kind of like, mm, it's a confident move, right? Take very the microphone out and, move. and you, if you move that stand out of the way, you're saying, here I am. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and and I I started doing that as a singer as well. I always have I have the mic stand there on stage, and then I just put it to the side once I've you know said hello to the audience, and then I just pull it back and put it on at the end of the set. So just don't do that for a voiceover job. <laughs> Okay, For the Mark. listeners, oh don't touch God. the mic. Well, I'll do that. 
<laughs> just Wait, don't, you're right. It doesn't uh, work. You know, you know how some of these uh, some of these audio audio engineers will get if you can if you touch their microphone or their mic oh, stand. I know. Oh, don't touch I it. Know. Don't touch it. Yeah, you get into big trouble. Well, they are a pretty expensive piece of kit, so you can understand why. I mean, yeah. It's just anyway, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I know people can find you on Instagram at Mark Dwyer. Is that right? It's at Mark with a C, M A R C, at mm-hmm. mark.com.au. Ah, at mark.com.au. Is that it? Yeah, mark.com.au. Um, and, and thank you. Thank you for having me on, Kathy. It's been a, um, it's been a pleasure and it's been so much fun. Good. That's brilliant. Thanks, Mark. Woo! My pleasure. See ya. (laughs) All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Voice Over Voices. Scripts and concept by Kathy Ogden. Music produced by Grant Windsor and written by Jeff Franzel and Kathy Ogden. You can find us on Instagram at voice underscore over underscore voices. If you liked this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe so more people can find us. Be kind. Thank you. Thank you.